Hey, what's up, guys? This is Clint McGill, and today's podcast guest we have with us is Troy Silva from Reho Athletics. And you may be familiar with Troy. He's got one of the most popular Twitter accounts on the internet and uh, just a very positive account, uh, very genuine, well-respected. He's not just throwing out hot takes for, uh, you know, kind of stir the pot and kind of kick the beehive, so to speak. Today, Troy is sharing with us some of the things that he's learned along the way. He's played junior college baseball, college baseball, played in the minor leagues with the Indians for several years, and uh, now has a very successful academy that he runs with a friend of his, Rio Athletics, up there in uh, Washington. And uh, just uh, abundance of knowledge and uh, just wisdom, too. Just the guy just sees it, right? And uh, we also talk about his faith. That's something that he shares a lot on the internet. And uh, and a big reason why people are drawn to him is to kind of find out more and, you know, why are you so positive and why do I, you know what I mean? Like, why are things going well? And people ask him a lot. And so we, we talk about that a little bit at the end, too. So I think you'll enjoy that. But uh, anyway, before we get to it, let me read you this week's Bulletproof Hitter review. Hi, Clint. We bought the Bulletproof Hitter via an Instagram ad and we are loving the courses. My nine-year-old son actually reminds me that he needs to watch your videos on a daily basis. Thank you so much, Judy R. Well, Judy, thanks for sending in that message, and I'm grateful you guys took a leap on the program and uh, are getting some value out of it and uh, continue good vibes your way. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Troy Silva. First question I have for you is uh, a a problem that we see a lot here with uh, the players that I work with, the parents that I talk to, whether it's in person or social media or what have you. It's that the most common pain point they have is that their son has a lot of ability and they do really well in practice. There's just, it's a whole different story. They struggle. And this takes different forms for a lot of people. Some kids are over anxious and they kind of are over trying. And uh, for other people, it's kind of the opposite. They sort of freeze up. You know what I mean? A kid's got a nice, powerful swing. Uh, Suddenly he's kind of just taking, you know, little coasting swings or he's going after the ball a little less aggressive and um, you know, by and large, it's just a, a sort of a stage fright. So um, what sort of advice do you have for somebody, uh, whether it's a player or a parent that's experiencing this right now? Well, that's a great question. And quite honestly, I, I answer that question like all day, every day of my life. So the number one answer to that is pretty simple. It's each kid's individually different, right? So you might have one kid that say you're right. dealing with a 12 year old all-star kid and um, you know, he's, he's just nervous because grandma came to watch from Missouri or something like that. So, right. okay. uh, and then you might have this high school, you know, senior that's, that's can't compete because he's got, you know, recruiters in the stands watching them or whatever. So each kid is different. And quite honestly, um, I think they're all similar too in, in many ways. And the similarity is exactly what you said earlier is um, there's so much content and there's so much information available these days um, that it's mm-hmm. almost overwhelming to, to say a parent or a player. Um, an exa- example is this. I see this right. all the time. You know, a, a player goes and plays for whatever team they play for. And the coach uh, willingly, he wants to help his players and he ends up, you know, giving them information. Right. So whether it's hitting information or do this, do that, do this, do that, whatever. And the information isn't necessarily wrong. The problem with the information is it's wrong for that kid. So this is why. I think people like what I do on Twitter because it relates to each kid individually and each situation is unique in its own self. Um, if we don't give that specific kid in individual information to fix them specifically, they'll never get fixed. So it's that kind of, 
it's the it's the social media stuff it's the youtube videos it's all the stuff that's out there it's like everyone has i think they have decent information it's just how they're portraying that information to really give it to kids is really where most coaches and parents i guess and players fail um they 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 they're thinking let's say you know the coach teaches them to get inside the ball or whatever so they go to the plate with this attitude of i need to get inside the ball right so they're it's not wrong but little do they know that that coach has no idea that that kid is terrified to fail he's he has he's so um, has so much worry has so much doubt in his mind that he can't compete that it doesn't matter if he's thinking inside or outside the ball it doesn't matter he's got to learn how to get in there with some confidence and compete so I deal with a lot of kids basically from like eight, nine years old all the way through pro, and they all have different mentality aspects that they struggle with. Some of it's just confidence. Some of it's just, you know, being able to handle the pressure, the anxiety, the spotlight of being there with everybody watching. That's a big part where most kids these days never get to that part of hitting instruction because they're too busy doing what? Setting the ball on a tee. You have a coach telling them what to do. They're trying to duplicate this swing over all over and over and over, which isn't wrong, but it's not giving that kid the information they need. And quite honestly, I think one of the biggest things, too, is most kids these days don't get challenged enough to be able to believe that they can actually compete in a game. And, you know, it's a quite simple, you know, analogy. It's the same thing. It's like a kid goes and does tee work for a half hour with his team. They do soft toss and the coach says, hey, let the ball travel because you're throwing the ball 20 miles an hour at them because it's so slow and they get to a game off a 60, 70 mile an hour pitch and they're late to the ball and the coach is yelling, let the ball travel. And it's like, this kid has so much information that's wrong because they've never put themselves in a challenging environment. So I think it's, I think it's individualized, number one. And number two, I think kids these days need to be challenged more. And I don't think it's anyone's fault. This isn't like to bash coaches because I think most coaches have the heart. I think most coaches have the heart to really want to help players. I just think they don't know how and and I think that's where specifically on the hitting and pitching side, as far as the development really fails. What does that look like exactly? So obviously challenging uh, goes back to kind of individualizing whatever it is they need. So, so like our, let's say our high school kids that we train. So we have high school, let's say a varsity kid. So that high school varsity yeah. kid goes to practice and, you know, the coach throws some BP on the field and they're working on getting them over, moving them in, whatever it is they're working on. And that kid just sees that, you know, 50 mile an hour BP every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they get into a game, you know, with that pressure and that, and that anxiety involved and the kids throwing 80, 85, maybe upper eighties or whatever. And they wonder why they can't hit. It's like the the challenging part means you, if you're not doing something daily to, to make it game, like, then what are you really doing? You're really not, you're really not getting better. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, everyone thinks that Troy's this anti-T guy. I, I, we hit off the T every day. We just don't spend the majority of the time off the T. We right. spend a minority of the time off the T fine-tuning whatever it is that we need to fine-tune as far as a swing. And then when I say we get to hitting, so when we get to hitting, it's it's live. It's it's curveballs. It's we have a pro batter machine that's a video simulator that can throw up to like 100 miles an hour. So we hit off that. We're blessed to have that. Right. We have different different tools and different things that we have, but it doesn't matter really how it's done. It's just you can't you can't just go through the motions in your typical BP and then expect to get in the game with that pressure and anxiety without any challenging repetition and expect success. It just, like you said, it's too hard of a, a task to accomplish You just can't do it. So um, cool story though, is like LC state where I went to uh, Lewis Clark state, we would, we would literally every day in practice go from cage to cage to cage. There was like six cages lined up and it was, 90 mile an hour fastball away, left-handed curveball, right-handed slider, you know, and then there's a two-seamer on your hands, and you would go from cage to cage to cage to cage, and we would literally hit for like an hour and a half, two hours, and Ed Chef wouldn't say, hey, Troy, you're rolling over, and you need to do this. He would say, you stink, figure it out, just probably in some meaner words, figure it out, <laughs> right. you know, and find a way to get it done. So the best thing that I got from that is 
he taught me how to fix it myself. And that's the problem. I think coaches these days, meaning well, like we said, they try to fix everything for the player and they don't allow them to fail a little bit. They don't allow them to try to fix it themselves because ultimately they're going to have to go. They're the one swinging the bat, right? They're the one that has to go in there and deal with that pressure and anxiety. So getting the live repetitions allows you to figure it out yourself because that's the ultimate goal is when I teach someone, I'm trying to teach them with hopes of teaching them to teach themselves. And if they right. can't teach themselves, they can't make those adjustments. They can't control the emotion, the, the emotional anxiety, that kind of stuff. And then they end up wondering why they can't hit. And then they go back to the T trying to fix their swing because dad says you're doing this and doing that. And it ends up becoming this mental mess. And I see that over and over and over all over no matter where I go. It doesn't matter if they're nine years old. doesn't matter if they're fast pitch girls. It doesn't matter. Hitting's the same thing, even at the big league level, believe it or not. Like I, I see these guys going, you need to do this. You need to do that. And they're spending time doing their swing stuff. It's just not going to help. So the swing's important, but we have to give them live challenging repetitions on a regular basis combined with all the mechanical stuff that goes with it. Right. Yeah. No, that, um, that reminds me of, when I played, so I I uh, I was a minor leaguer for the Astros for for a minute, and uh, I remember in spring training, the last spring training up before I got released, uh, my swing was just all out of whack, and uh, they had this machine. It's not like a simulator, kind of. It's similar to what you guys have now. I think it's still out there. It was just like this box that this ball would just kind of fly out of. There's a light goes red, yellow, green, or whatever, and just kind of help you with your timing. And that thing could spit out a fastball, slider. I mean, it was just really sophisticated at the time, and probably still is, but. Um, but anyway, it was really hard to hit off of, and it takes some maturity to stand there in a cage. You've got a couple of buddies waiting in line with you to hit them off the end of the bat, you know what I mean? And really struggle with it. And it's kind of one of those where I regret not just going, get there early every day and just sitting on that machine for a while, you know what I mean? And just, just getting better at it as opposed to just like, oh, hey, I like smashing the ball and I can Mm -hmm. smash the ball off soft toss with my buddy or off the tee, you know what I mean? Well, that's um, that, funny. That's that cage, just it. That cage over there is tough. You know what I mean? That takes yeah. some, takes away my ego. Yeah, I see that uh, literally every day. So that's that's just it, right? It's like it's like the prideful ball player. So the prideful ball player wants the, the ball to be thrown in their wheelhouse and hit the ball 400 feet. They don't right. want to be challenged. What what they don't understand is doing that challenging repetition is actually going to make you better at whatever it is you're trying to get. So I see that every day. And we have to be careful, like, who we're trying to challenge. And, it, it, again, it goes back to the individual of what they really need. Like, there's some kids, let's say you're dealing with a little league team, and there's, that kid just picked up his glove in March, and he just rolled out there. He's 11 years old. That kid, you need to throw the ball into his barrel to give him confidence of, right. of what he, he's doing. That college kid that's coming back for Christmas break, you don't need to throw the ball in the barrel. You need to throw the ball outside the zone. He needs to work on, like, laying off of tough pitches. He needs to see that that slider in the dirt and learn how to lay off of it. So it goes back to really challenge him, and that's that's the mentality part, too, is if you if you develop that mentality of I'm going to figure it out versus, oh, that's just too hard, you're, you're going you're gonna to compete at a higher level, too. If you have the mentality of, oh, that's just too hard, I just, I just don't like it, the timing's off, and you're always making excuses, you'll never compete the way you want to compete in the box. So it's that attitude of, of get, I'm going to figure this out. The, comp- the best competitors that I know at any level, like, throw me another one. I'm going to figure this out. You know, I don't care how fast it is. I have 12-year-olds say, hey, can we speed it up to 100? I want to hit it. I'm like, I love that. Go nice. hit 100 miles an hour. Let's do it. Yeah. So yeah. it just creates that, that confidence in their ability as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a book, um, The Obstacle is the Way, and I think that could be applied here where it's like, whoever's listening right now, whatever drill that you can't stand, uh, you need to probably spend a little extra time with that. You know what I mean? Uh, because you, you don't like it because you're not good at it. And I totally understand that. But that is like where the potential for growth lies 
is you know uh, in that drill, the one that you're thinking of right now that you that you don't <laughs> that you just can't stand. Yeah. So uh, I'd recommend jumping on that. So um, okay, we'll change gears here a little bit. Um, what's something that is commonly taught today that uh, is either a misconception or you just don't really agree with? Um, well, I, I did a video not too long ago of the top 10 hitting myths and misconceptions. Um, I think there's, there's, there's probably two or three that really stick out. One of them's kind of going away. I think I've done a good job of trying to dispel the myth of the whole kind of chopping down to the ball. It's right. slowly going away, which, which is good. Um, people are getting that because, one. Yeah. You're hearing more yeah. people like getting on board with that. So, yeah. Um, the second one that I see, well, this isn't really a myth, but it's, it's like the common theme of hitting instruction these days so if i go to coach a team whatever it doesn't matter if they're 11 years old or go watch college games or whatever you hear get your front foot down early every time i mean i have that i have college kids come back i say what's the coach teach you he goes get my front foot down early and i'm thinking mm -hmm. is there anything more to hitting than getting your front foot down early because it's like this it's like kind of how baseball works it's like you, there's just one little thing and everybody runs with it and they think it's gold and quite honestly it's like is the front foot down early like the problem no i mean I'd say 10% of big leaguers actually get their front foot down early. It's not the problem. The problem is, is thinking that that's going to fix you specifically. And the problem is, is, is thinking that that's all there is to hitting. So the front foot down early thing is, is something that's out there and that's prevalent at any age. You'll see, you go to just try me and just go to any baseball field, just walk up to a baseball field and you'll hear a coach <laughs> say it. You'll hear right. me and I'm just like, okay, that kid doesn't need to get his front foot down early. The other kid might, but that kid doesn't. And it's just like, it's like this common, Hey, get your front foot down early. It's like, it's, it's like baseball lingo. Right. And they don't even know that most of the time you're telling that kid uh, to do that. It's actually hindering him. So I'm coaching against a team and the coach says, get your front foot down early. And the kid's late to the ball. I'm like, you're getting a fastball inside because you have no rhythm. You have no time. You have no wherewithal to really compete. So they stop all their momentum. So that one's yeah, kind of there. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, I was talking to, I think it was Garth York. I was talking, he played with the blue Jays for, uh, you know, 10 years and coached in the, in the minors for forever and in the big leagues too. And I remember him saying, I'm pretty sure it was him. He was saying that uh, he can't stand that, that statement either. And he says like, swing the bat with your foot in the air. Like you just can't do it. Like your foot <laughs> will get down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's impossible to swing without your foot. In the, like you can't even initiate anything, mm -hmm. you know, when your foot's still flying open, you know what I mean? So he says yeah. that's, you know, he, he, you kind of see where people are, are getting with that, but um, that you know, like you said, too, where I've got my front foot down early, like like before the pitch is released, type early, and then like my heel kind of goes back up and down because like my you know your body just naturally has kind of a rhythm that it's wanting, and uh, so it's sort of sort of counterproductive on that one. So I'm I'm uh, I'm glad you, you shared that one with us. So yeah, um, the other the other thing to add to that is who are you teaching it to? Like, are you teaching it to Albert Pujols, who's 250 pounds and six foot four? Or are you teaching it to a nine-year-old that's 70 pounds soaking wet that needs the leg kick and use all of his momentum just to get the ball past the pitcher? Right. New bats, you know what I mean? So it's like the front foot down early thing is not like – it's not bad. You can do it. It's just understanding who who's doing it, what works for that specific individual. And if it works, do it. If it doesn't, don't. But don't just say it to everybody. So that's kind of the, the idea behind it. It's not necessarily a wrong thing. There are big leaguers that do it. Right. But at the same time, most don't. So why would you say something to everybody where most big leaguers don't do it or most people that are good hitters? Right, right. Yeah. And that's part of the uh, the, the goal with this summit, too, is just to let everybody know that there are multiple ways to do that. Like getting your front foot down, like you said, there's big leaguers who are making a lot of money and have had tremendous success doing things a certain way. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that's just that's just how you hit. That's that's the way that person figured it out. You know what I mean? So it's good to encounter people who are sharing that, but also understand that. There are also different ways to do that. So um, what are some other misconceptions? What else was in your, your top 10? 
Um, the, the biggest one that I see these days too, I've been literally saying this for about 20 years now or however long I've been doing this is, it's funny that how things kind of catch on Yeah, is the whole, the whole let the ball travel thing. So many kids these days are taught to let the ball travel, let the ball get deep, let the ball get to you. And that's not a misconception either. Like you want to let the ball travel, but it's, it's the misconception of how it's being taught and what a kid thinks about when they're doing it. If you're in a game, if you're in a game setting, and you're facing a quality pitcher. This is to say an above average pitcher. It doesn't matter what level it is from little league through college. You don't want to let the ball travel. It's, you want to hit the ball on the front side of your body. That's where your, your maximum force comes from. That's where your timing comes from. And that's where you learn to hit the ball well. So it's the misconception of what basically letting the ball travel means. So if you're facing a kid that's throwing slow, yeah, you need to let the ball travel, but you still got to hit it out by the front side of your body or you're going to get all jammed up and you're going to have any power to, to the opposite side of the field. So the oppo approach thing, quite honestly, is killing people because it's like these kids are learning to let the ball travel too deep. And quite honestly, I think it stems from back what we talked about earlier with the lack of challenging repetitions. You go into a cage and you lob that little you know, 30 mile an hour BP and of course, the kid's going to be out in front, right? It's just right. what's going to happen. It's slow. It's like hitting a slow pitch softball, right? It's slow, yeah. you know, um, or you do that little front toss with the kid in the lesson and it's like they're out in front. So, of course, you're going to say, hey, let the ball travel, let the ball travel, let the ball get to you, right? Then right. you get to a game off a decent normal pitcher and, and they're late on everything. So my history of, of, of doing this and seeing this is I see a lot of kids hit. I see a lot of baseball. I watch a lot of games on TV. I talk to a lot of people and I would bet it's the bet on something that there's less than probably 5% of the kids that I see that are too far out in front, less than 5%. If I do a lesson these days, 95% of the kids that I see off a normal game like pitch are late to the ball. They're not out in front. They might get out in front occasionally on a good pitch. Like, and what's wrong with that? If you get fooled by a good changeup or something, you're probably going to be out in front. It's just yeah. how you react when you're out in front. So the let the ball travel deep is a, a big thing. And I know, you know, the blast motion, the zep and all these sensors that are out there finally are saying like you to get maximum bat speed, power and quickness, you got to get it out on the front side of your body. So yes, we let the ball travel to us. Yes. an inside pitch is hit farther out in front. Yes. an outside pitch is hit a little bit deeper, but you're still hitting everything on the front side of your body. And quite honestly, when you fix the timing and that contact point, usually your swing gets fixed in the mix too as well. So I tell, when I speak, I, I tell people all the time, you could probably fix your player swing by changing their contact point. Cause most, most swing flaws are because of a bad contact point, mainly because the ball's too deep in the zone and occasionally when the ball's being too far out in front. So that's one of the biggest mis- misconceptions that people are still running with. You, you, go to, you go to a field, you hear it too. Hey, let the ball travel. And hey, this kid's throwing slow, let the ball travel. Yeah, we let it travel, but we still hit it out in front. So we, we just want to make sure that we're teaching our kids to be consistent hitting the ball out in front. Oh, I like that. I like that. So I had never really thought of it that way where a kid's lunging and we need to fix him from lunging. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean to let that ball travel deep so much. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's an important distinction there. And I think it was Justin Turner who has, you know, changed his career around from being a fringe big leaguer, would jump, you know, bounce around, you know, Mets. I think it was, I don't know if he was a, a, a minor league or major league invite to spring training for the Dodgers or what have you, but just sort of an afterthought. And look at him now, he's an MVP candidate. You know what I mean? And um, I know one thing that he's done is, you know, is, is I think he's trying to hit more fly balls, but he's also hitting the ball out in front. Even the balls to right field, they're, you know, his barrel contact is not out there back behind, the, you know, uh, back by his back knee or anything like that. I mean, it's out there in front of him, even when he's going opposite field. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm hearing that a lot more from, from people. So, so what would you we say? Because I've heard people say that, you know, 
breaking ball that like that's great until the breaking ball comes and then you know you're trying to pull like you're just toast on it i mean is that more just a recognition thing to 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 be able to hit the ball out in front and still be able to deal with an yeah. off-speed pitch what are your thoughts on that so that's the argument right it's like oh that's great on a fastball but what about the breaking ball the difference right. between a breaking ball and a fastball timing isn't that big of a deal yes it's 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 slower right and yes you have to adjust but it goes back to are you getting enough challenging repetitions on the curveball to understand to let the ball travel or to stay back and let it, let it get to you. So um, it doesn't matter what the pitch is. It doesn't matter what the speed is. Your goal is to hit every pitch out in front. And if you do enough challenging repetitions on the different speeds and locations, it naturally starts happening. The funny thing that you said about the lunging thing is I had a kid uh, um, probably about seven, eight years ago where division one kid, uh, I'm not going to name names, but really good ball player. And you know, he was, he was just struggling. He was at college and he, his coaches were trying to tell him everything. And he was like, he's like, you know what? Uh, he goes, I'm just, I just can't hit curveballs. And uh -huh. I said, well, how many curveballs do you get during the week? He goes, none. I'm like, <laughs> is there any common sense to this question right here? Do we need so, to keep talking? Yeah, exactly. And then I said, I said, okay, so when you do get a curveball, barring you don't get any curveball repetitions, you don't see the movement, you don't see the break, your brain and your body doesn't adjust to that movement. When you do see a big leaguer get a curveball, what do they do at it? And he goes, he kind of laughed. He goes, oh, I see him lunge all the time. And I said, so why don't you lunge at it? And he goes, and like a light bulb went off. Like, it's okay to lunge. I'm like, if you're fooled on a pitch, you better lunge or you can't hit the ball. So most right. kids these days are taught to do this perfect swing, right? The goal is to have a perfect swing and to make perfect contact where you want it. But what do you do when you're fooled? When you get older, pitchers are good. They're going to fool you. You better be able to adjust your body, your swing, your swing mechanics, your swing plane to be able to adjust to hit the ball. So that he, he texted me, long story short, that week and goes, yeah, I had like three for three on uh, curveballs this week, and they were all doubles down the right field line. He's left-handed. I said, I okay. bet you your coach says, hey, let it travel, hit the ball the opposite way. He goes, yeah. I said, you were three for three with three doubles pulling the ball down the right field line. And he was like, it just totally made sense. I'm like, you got him. His whole mindset was basically blocking him from just being the natural athlete that he is to be able to adjust. So – I'm not saying to not work on letting the curveball travel. Yes, you need to work on the curveball travel. But if you're truly sitting on fastballs and you're truly fastball ready, you're going to be out in front sometimes on curveballs. It's just what you do when you are out in front. Go watch a big league game. I did this 10 years ago. I did a little study watching spring training games like 10 years ago, and I could not believe it. I watched spring training games, and I just basically documented how many hitters were out in front on off-speed pitches. And it was like 90% of them. Yeah, you want to let the ball ideally get to you, but 90% of them, we're out in front on some sort of off-speed pitches. When you got 95 miles an hour with nasty stuff and you're truly ready to hit a fastball, you're going to be out in front on off-speed sometimes. So those 90%, they're all out in front, and guess what? They were hitting them well. I, I saw guys poking them over the left field wall out in front. I saw guys, you know, hitting that little top spin, you know, line drive down the left field line for doubles, and, oh, heaven forbid you hit a top spin double. Well, you got to hit the back spin, right? It's like, <laughs> right. It, it's just like there's no common sense taught these days. And I, and I think the lack of common sense is really hurting hitters. It's, it become, it's become this – you have to have a perfect swing to be successful. And quite honestly, the more perfect your swing gets that doesn't adjust, you're getting worse. So I'm not saying not to work on the swing mechanics, but I am saying you need to be an athlete, and your swing needs to be able to adjust and then adjust – by getting those repetitions in yeah no that's that, that's great yeah the um you know i had heard just recently somebody was talking about how um on an off-speed pitch talk about riding that front leg like like how you said there's kind of a, a, a right way to be out in front you know what i mean and if you've got your 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 rear out in uh you know mm -hmm. out in the dugout and you're reaching yeah yeah that's not going to be a well hit ball you know what i mean mm -hmm. but if you can 
if you can kind of just, you know, bend that front knee a little bit and still stay with it, kind of try to keep your top half back while your whole body, not lunging, you know what I mean? But just sort of riding that bottom half. Um, I was like, wow, that's fascinating. I, you know, I played till I was 25 years old and never heard that, you know what I mean? Never encountered that type of instruction. It was more just, just stay back, stay back, stay back, yeah. stay back. And, uh, but Hey, I mean, it, like you said, it's tough. I mean, it's one thing to do it in high school and junior college. And then you get to guys that are throwing 94 with a, with, with, you know, a slider that you can hardly pick up. I mean, it's, you just can't, you just can't hit it all. You just can't be perfect every time. You know what I mean? It's just too difficult. Um, anyway, before we go, before we wrap up, anybody that follows you on social media, um, is, knows that you're pretty, you know, um, out there with your, with your faith in Christ. And is that something I wanted to just to find out how that affected you as a baseball player? Was that something that you encountered, um, when you were younger or during your college days or professional afterwards? Like what, uh, what was your story there? Well, first off, let me just say that I'm an idiot. And if it wasn't for God saving me, who knows where I'd been because I'm just like every other baseball player that did stupid things in high school and college. And okay. for whatever reason, God just grabbed me and said, come be this vessel that I'm going to use. And I'm literally an idiot that wrote a book on hitting and I do this and I feel like God's using this idiot to, to, to be an example. So okay. I'm going to start with saying that, um, gotcha. but as far as like my path, so I kind of, you know, in high school and stuff like that, there was, there was stuff at at, um, at let's say high school at, at school you know the campus crusade and, and the youth for christ and stuff events that were there that i would go to occasionally with no no rhyme or reason besides just going to hang out with girls probably right. um, and then you know i went through college i was anything but a christian in college it was anything that you can think of i did it and it was beyond moronic and i should be dead probably right now right when god had his hand on me um so i don't want to go into details with that but you can sure, probably put your mind through yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I got into pro ball and um, it's pretty ironic because my, my first year in pro ball, I had a roommate, Kelly Dampier, haven't talked to him in a while, but Kelly, if you're out there, love you, buddy. Um, his, his dad was a, a, a pastor and he was nowhere close to walking his faith out, but he, he had a lot of information about the Bible and okay. what, what he could give me. Um, and I went into it honestly thinking that, okay, I'm in pro ball. I want to make it to the big leagues. So who's this God guy? So I literally went into this, this whole God path, if you want to call it, with hopes of him helping me get to the big leagues. You know, fast forward now, 20-something years later, it's like, okay, my path wasn't to be a big league you right. know, baseball player. My path is to be a big league influence in people's lives and hopefully help, help parents, help coaches, help players, you know, accomplish whatever goals they have. So, you right. know, long story short, I accepted Christ in pro ball. I, um, I have a funny testimony that we won't get into, but um, accepted Christ in pro ball. And it's been just a slow process over the years. It's, it's like started with, you know, okay, what do you, what does this Jesus freak do? You know? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna stop cussing, whatever, you know, you read the Bible a little bit more. Okay. Don't do that. And it, and it becomes this relationship where you just want to be a vessel for God versus a set of rules that you have to abide by. And that's where I was, I was at at the time. I was like living by some rules. And now it's like, I don't live by rules. I just want to honor God. So it's like, I don't cuss. I don't swear. I try to, I try to be a light, even though I stand, I'm a human being. I try to be that light for people now with what we do. Um, and it's quite honestly, it's, it's not that hard of a job these days. I mean, specifically in baseball, if you don't cuss, if you don't chew, and if you smile at umpires, you don't yell at umpires, you don't get tossed you're weird. Like it's, it's like, like, what, what is, what is that guy doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's not that hard to walk out your faith in baseball these days. Smile. What's, what's, what's the problem with smiling in baseball these days? Hey, how's it going today? You have a good day. 
it's, right. it's like not that hard. So it's like to be a, a light and a witness in this baseball community for me is the most important thing. I mean, my goal is to be a Christ-like example for everyone I encounter. And obviously I fail at that a lot, but my goal, that's my number one goal is through this little platform of idiocracy that God has me in in baseball. It's like, I just try my best to, to be encouraging, to, to put out information and, and to help people accomplish their goals and, and be an example. So someone will say, Hey, I want to be like that guy. So that's kind of the, the nutshell story of it. But yes, I try to walk out my faith. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer that God has plans for your life, for my life. And I look at my plan of my goal to, was to be a big leaguer, but now I'm not. And it's like, now he's using you today in this very moment to do whatever he's working on in your life. Right. No, that's great, man. That's, that's awesome. I know, um, you know, I grew up and I, I was kind of one that, uh, I, I wanted God to be real. You know what I mean? Like I didn't uh, necessarily go to church or anything like that or read the Bible. Um, and, uh, you know, lived a fairly clean life. I did the college thing too, like everybody did. Um, but then started to kind of ask about what's, what's going on here, you know? And, uh, some, you read the Bible, there's some funny stories. It's kind of like, man, it's sort of hard to grasp, but, um, you know, I had this sense that there was something real out there. And um, I'll just tell people right now, God's real, man. Like, you just check it out. And Amen. I wish I wish that I had, um, you know, had that faith. You know, I committed myself to Christ after after baseball was over. And I think that my life, would, my career probably would have been a lot better um, without the anxiety. Because, again, we'll probably circle back to that first question about struggling in games. You know, I was always, always, always concerned with, you know, losing my job or, you know, getting cut or, you know, what happens after baseball. And, you know, it was just a, a constant anxiety. And like you, I had a goal of being a big leaguer. And um, if, I, if I did become a big leaguer, I wouldn't have my wife, my three kids, you know what I mean? Like my path was not to be in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, to, to understand that, hey, baseball, just go at it with your full intensity and um, let the chips fall where they may, that God's got you uh, on a path. And it's not always just rosy, but um, I think as a player, having that, um, you know, having just that peace that's out there with, you know, when giving your life to Christ type thing is just would be really, really valuable. So anybody out there that's uh, unsure about it, you can reach out to me. I'm sure you can reach out to Troy. I'd be happy to chat with you on anything, any questions or whatever. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I know he's had an impact on my life and I love being on Twitter and uh, that can be a pretty negative place sometimes. And uh, you, you share um, some positivity on that side. So I really Really appreciate you sharing that. It's not always easy to, to, you know, put that out there. So thank you for that. No problem. Yeah, good deal. So, all right. Well, good deal. Well, Troy, well, you got any, any more parting advice for the parents out there before you leave? Anything we didn't cover? Oh, we can talk for hours more, but um, parents, I'm a parent, and I think the job that I have right now is kind of blessed me in many different ways to basically don't mess up <laughs> from right. what I see every day. I mean, it's like I see parents that do it right. I see parents that do it completely wrong. But the main goal as a parent is set your expectations realistically. Um, you know, to, to play college ball is a blessing. It's not, it's not something that's a mandatory thing that happens. Um, don't focus on college ball. I, I, I tweet that all the time. It's like you focus on the here and now. No one's guaranteed anything. And you're not going to play college unless you're good now. And you're, and you're a good teammate and all that kind of good stuff. But right. specifically with the parents is set realistic expectations. And after the game and before the game, tell the kids you love them. And you are the ones that will make the experience either a good experience or a bad experience for your child growing up. And I've seen both. I've seen kids ruined by baseball experiences through their parents. And I've seen relationships actually grow through good parenting through the time. It's, it's, it's something that's sad in some ways, but it's also, you know, an eye opener. And I, it opened my eyes to I don't do things with my kids anymore that um, that I've seen 
done wrong. So be realistic, be positive, be encouraging, tell them you love them, tell them I appreciate your effort. I appreciate your work ethic. I appreciate your attitude. You know, even though you were 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, you were a good teammate, like really do that kind of stuff because it's, it's so much more than baseball. Most, most of your kids aren't going to be playing high school, college baseball. They might play some high school ball, maybe get an opportunity to play college, possibly pro ball. But the experiences gained through baseball are life lessons learned that are so valuable. And parents, you have a big responsibility in that. So this is this is something not to, you know, get on you about, but just realize your impact is bigger than you know. Right. No, here, here. Now that's beautiful. Yeah, I think as parents, we all need to hear that. I've got a young son and um, same type of thing. It's so easy just to 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 get frustrated and and you know, maybe I'm internalizing something. You know what I mean? Maybe it's more about me than it is about him. But um, you know, yeah, it's yeah, I think you chew your fingernails during the game, but at home, you got to let it go a little bit. You know, I think that's great. I appreciate it. I, I, people need to write that down. I appreciate, fill in the blank. Say something nice to them about their effort or something that they did. And uh, I bet their experience would be a whole lot better. So, all right, Troy. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, really, really appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. You good deal. All right, Troy, take care. Thank you.